Thanks once again to Radiotopia for hounding us. Hounding us? (laughs) (laughs) The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers. There is no official Bugle this week because, as I may have mentioned before, I am in Australia now uh, doing shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and subsequently Sydney, Auckland and Wellington. Uh, Do come along to all of them. In the meantime, here is a show of outtakes from the last few months since the Bugle relaunch, featuring my glamorous assistants stroke co-hosts, Nish Kumar, Anuvab Pal, Hari Kondabolu, Helen Zaltzman and Wyatt Sinat. Well, Downing Street are now trying to move to calm everybody down because uh, there's plans for Theresa May to make a, a very big speech later on this month that's going to put all of our minds at rest and calm everyone down. This is going to need to be a huge speech, Andy. This is going to need to be <laughs> a speech that makes We Will Fight Them on the Beaches look like a team talk at an under-11s five-a-side football game. I, I think if she gave be. exactly that same speech that Churchill did, she would please 52% of this country. <laughs> Steal from the best. <laughs> She's uh, the Economist has uh, written a slightly flattering, unflattering cover story uh, about Theresa May. Uh, they've gone with the uh, headline "Theresa Maybe," nice. showing the Economist maybe should leave the zingers to us. <laughs> uh, but in the article, uh, it sort of criticises her for being uh, indecisive, and then goes on to compare her as a prime minister to Gordon Brown which, uh, for non-British buglers, is not a flattering comparison. (laughs) If you're a Prime Minister and you're being compared to Gordon Brown, it's a bit like saying that film was a bit like the Star Wars prequels, this singer reminds me of Vanilla Ice, or that stand-up comedian is somewhat (laughs) Kumar-esque. You've shown your your naivety here as as a relatively new member of the bugle there. The film reference you had to go for there was... Either Smurfs to or the Love Lovebird. <laughs> Plus, you've used the wrong frame of reference. I can't believe I missed an opportunity <laughs> to mention the Guru. Have you seen the Guru? Have I seen the Love Guru? Yeah. Well, I'm a man of Asian descent, haven't I, Chris? <laughs> of course, I've seen it. It's part of our national diet. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to watch the culture of my ancestors be represented so faithfully on screen. <laughs> What was the name of his... Did he play Dick Pants? Dick Pants. Dick Pants. I still haven't watched it. I, I had it stored on my uh, like TV hard drive thing for about five years and never got around to it, then deleted it. Someone gave me a DVD of it at a gig. <laughs> I, st- I still haven't. And it was. I, mean, I think I'm pleased with that, because when I saw John in America in September, I was still able to look him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> There was another gender war story, Helen, that you uh, alerted me to about a lady shark eating an entire man shark. Now it turns out you then subsequently said, "Oh, this this you know is no longer relevant because it happened more than a year ago." I mean, it's still relevant to our lives. It was just one of those right. stories that got thrown up by an algorithm to make it look like it was current, whereas right. I think it happened last January. But yeah. I think that shark speaks for women everywhere because that male shark had kept on nudging her and eventually she snapped. <laughs> and any woman who lives in London has been subject to unwanted touching on public transport. And at some point, we're going to eat those men. Right. With our shark's teeth. <laughs> right. Watch out. Right, I mean, I don't, I mean, there's not a statute of limitation on stories about sharks eating other sharks. I mean, I don't think it doesn't have the same rule of topicality that uh, maybe some 
politics has. I guess so. And also after what Eve did, which is ages ago, that's still relevant, isn't it? Eating that contraband apple. Oh, Honestly, oh. started everything. Stealing, Pay gap because of the Stealing apple. that apple out of Pandora's lunchbox or whatever it was. But I'm, uh, I, mean, I know it's a fish-eat-fish world out there, but to me, this is feminism gone mad, Helen. A lady shark being allowed to eat a man shark. Um, um, uh, it was the kind of thing that everyone feared when they let Joan of Arc enter Wimbledon. Why, because she ate all the men? I think so. They should have um, respected her personal space and not nudged her. Well, she played very well. She was, she was on fire. Um, oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> Another shark story. Someone found a dead shark in a Walmart in Florida in a shopping trolley. Yeah. Um, Buy one, get one free on sharks all right. week at Walmart. Well, it just shows how, how PC has gone too far, that these poor sharks are now so terrified of being hammered in the press for eating, eating other seals or surfers, being carnivore shamed, that they're now taking life and death risks trying to go to on-land supermarkets to buy tofu. Tragic, as far as I'm concerned. Just so they don't get grief, grief from the snowflakes online. Let the sharks live in peace. And it also shows how deep the riptides of economic inequality are biting, that even sharks, traditionally quite well off, and able to afford a protein-rich diet um, with quite a lot of sushi and some pretty rare meats and surfer carpaccio, now having to economise buying a Walmart for cheap hot dogs. It's tragic. And another shark story in what is rapidly becoming... An unexpected shark section. A man, and this this was this week, a man saved a shark that had a knife stuck in its head in the Cayman Islands. And it makes you think, what, what the f*** was the shark doing in the Cayman Islands? Pay your taxes, shark. You've, it's typical, this. Swan off to a tax haven. And then when they get injured, they want free healthcare. You can't have it both ways, Captain Chomp Chomp. You cannot have it both ways. So you get, like, um, there's a movie, Sharknado... Yeah. Yep. There's Sharktopus, I believe. Sharknado 2 as so, well. Yeah, so so I think Bugle Shark is the inevitable uh, conclusion of this. It's not it's not such a good portmanteau, Chris. Okay, well, I, I thought you weren't a fan of portmanteaus. No, I'm a fan know. of portmanteaus. I'm just not Sh- a fan of the bad ones. Shargle. I saw the portmanteau Womanity and it made me very angry. <laughs> Womanity? Yeah, it was a type of body well, lotion. Oh, I thought it was some, some new form of... Uh... Humanity. Well, I was thinking it was you know, like a new form of mermaid, half woman, half manatee. Oh, <laughs> that I can get behind. <laughs> Come on, science. Step up to the plate and do something people want to see. <laughs> I just have one question, Andy, yep. because we're, we're talking about mad despots now and yep. they're everywhere. And I got a little obsessed with, uh, Central Africa and right. That's and always a good good hunting ground for the for the despots <laughs> for crazy despots. And and I came across the the great documentary filmmaker Werner Herzog, who wanted to make a film on a guy called Jean Bidel Bokassa, who was the leader of the Central African Republic. This was in the seventies, and it was just about a, it was a documentary just about usurping power, just an average day in Central Africa. But then. Herzog's interest changed when there were rumours circulating in that country of the fact that Mr. Bokassa may or may not be a cannibal. (laughs) And when we look at stuff like that, I think the Donald Trump problems ease a little. Yeah, let's get it all in perspective. You have to look at it in context. Because he made this documentary about grabbing power and, and... Bukasa saw himself in in the vein of Napoleon. He wanted a coronation like Napoleon's. So it was a film about all that. 
But throughout, there's this sly tinge of Herzog trying to find out, does he also eat people? (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like a very specific goal. It was left ambiguous like all great movies. Right. So we're never sure. And it's in his biography. But... But when you look at it, we have to now look at all these people in, in context. You know, there's yeah. Mugabe, there's Trump, there's yeah. Putin, there's Modi, you know, just, um, he's vegetarian, so we're okay there. Right. So you're, you're, what you're trying to say is we should all cheer up because Trump is not a cannibal. <laughs> I think it's a start. Yeah, it's, it's a start. Yeah. It's got a robe. Clutch at those straws, <laughs> and from humble straws you can build a giant skyscraper. <laughs> Who's the Breitbart uh, guy that Trump appointed? Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon. Steve Bannon. I like how Chris jumped out with that answer. He, uh, it was like a competition there. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we should take uh, each other on a quiz night anytime. <laughs> yeah. my, my answer to every question, though, is Steve Bannon. Oh, that's a problem. That's, that's, <laughs> that's gonna, you're going to get it. Like, you, you're going to get it right a few times, but you're going to be down points a lot of the game. Yeah, I'm just relying on first impressions, that's all. Yeah. I was once banned from a a, a sports quiz um, because my team had won it three years in a row. They told us to, uh, told me I wasn't allowed back the next year. Really? Yeah. Badge of honour. It's probably the uh, intellectual highlight of my my adult life. That's a pretty good one. I was banned from a mall because I told a mall cop to f*** off. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our crosses to bear, Wyatt. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there, there has been a story of almost equal importance uh, breaking uh, recently, and that is the news that science has studied the famous Mona Lisa painting by uh, Leonardo da Vinci and concluded that after centuries of argument, the Mona Lisa is, in fact, happy, uh, not sad or in between. Um, science. This is a study by the University of Freiburg, Hari, um, and regularly on the Bugle, we do contemplate exactly what science is doing with its time. Where is that? Uh, where is that university? Where is Freiburg? I think it's in Germany, isn't it? Oh, Freiburg? Germany. It is in Germany. Oh, okay. It's, it's a, a good university. Country. Okay. It's a it's a good university, claims Chris. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. All oh, right. He has a very good knowledge of the German higher education. I think it's like one of their elite academic right. institutions. Um, it doesn't. I mean, people have disputed uh, for years with the Mona Lisa. Is she happy? Is she sad? Is it? It's a kind of. It's, it's that mysterious smile that has even sparked a film of the same name, the Mona Lisa smile. Um, I think all these things are relative. I think she is. I don't know if she's happy or sad. What I do know is that, as judged by comparison with people in 2017, the age of fury, she is fucking ecstatic. <laughs> she has a face. That has never a listened to a radio phone in about Brexit, b observed even from a distance American politics, c used Twitter, d read below the line comments by anonymous readers on newspaper websites underneath stories about one or more of the following rage-inducing subjects: a anything or b anything else. She's never e thought about the 1990 World Cup football final. She's never got been quite a lot of a lot of football World Cup final reference. That's three different World Cups in one show. Two of them won by Joe. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> she's never F, thought about using a, th- a southern train service into London. And she's never G, 
tried to get a mobile signal to check the cricket score on holiday in Portugal and been unable to do so for more than four hours. I'm just getting flashbacks. So no wonder she looks chilled out, frankly. She, they, she, she, that's, she should be happy. Also, a number of other reasons she should be happy. This picture was painted in the early 16th century. In what, 1503, Leonardo started it. She's, of course she's happy because she's not dead despite having been alive for quite a long time, which is often a pretty surefire way in those days of becoming dead. And also, she'd had two children and was still not dead. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive by the standard of the day. She's not currently being tortured, suffering from the plague, being burnt at the stake. No wonder she's looking chipper. Also, she was the wife of a wealthy silk merchant. Sure, Harry, it's not like being shacked up with a showbiz megastar like you or me, but still, for 1503, <laughs> that's quite a good catch. Um, maybe she's seen something a little bit funny because her eyes are not quite down the barrel of the easel. Maybe Leonardo had something on his shoulder, like a bird had crapped on his tunic or some of his lunch was stuck in his big old Renaissance hipster beard or maybe his studio assistant Ricardo was doing his famous chicken impression. We, we don't know. There's, it's just as if she's about to break into a some kind of... Maybe Da Vinci as an alleged vegan had broken wind. I mean, it, we, we, just, we just don't know. Uh, also... This painting apparently took the big arty idiot over a decade to finish. I don't think he's ever been called that before. <laughs> <laughs> a big arty idiot. He can put that on his posters. <laughs> um, uh, it took over a decade to finish, and maybe the smile was the last bit, because the eyes are saying, when the f*** is this going to end, Leonardo? And the mouth has just clearly just been told, just give me 20, 20 minutes to wrap this up. Um, so... Um, Big news for the Mona Lisa. Actually, I, I uh, scientists have found out why why she is smiling. Right. Yeah, it's uh, why is that? Well, apparently, uh, uh, Da Vinci's flies open and his cocks out. <laughs> so, science proved that. Science. Right. Okay. Is that science you've just made up? No, no. It's it's from it's from the, it's from the uh, Freiburg uh, University. <laughs> right. An accredited university in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what's truth anymore. <laughs> the uh, Guardian art writer Jonathan Jones uh, recently claimed that the Mona Lisa might have had syphilis uh, because 10 years after uh, it was painted, she apparently there's uh, documentary proof that she bought a medical concoction made of snails. So that's pretty much proved. <laughs> also, she's not wearing an I don't have syphilis badge. So uh, it was pretty clear that is the case. A man in Germany uh, tried to leave his house and found out that his front door had been bricked up. <laughs> um, now, it's unclear whether this was a prank or uh, an act of uh, a threat or a logistical error, but it made me think, Nish, is, is that bad? I mean, <laughs> looking at this, if you were given the chance to be bricked into your house at this point in human history... Would you take it? Only if I could. Only if the bricks were lead lined. <laughs> but I also think this this could be a blueprint for Trump because this would make more sense to me than building a wall across the border with Mexico. Just brick everyone in America into their own homes. That is the logical goal of the insular Trump. Attitude yeah, I mean we can. St- I mean we planet. can. St- he's almost certain to do that to the White House, I imagine. Yeah, but and why stop? And why not just brick? The entire world would be a happier place if everyone in the world simply bricked themselves in. I mean, look at history. Most major wars and human disasters have been caused by people who are able to leave their homes. Adolf Hitler being 
prime example. Yeah. So if we just every if everyone in the world, all seven billion plus of us, just brick ourselves in, <laughs> a little, you can do everything online now. You have drones taking people's food everywhere. You can you have know, human reproduction. Even you can do that. Absolutely, drones involved there as well. Drones just to you know you can you know find your <laughs> find your, your your reproductive partner online. You even have a three. There's this new. Um, we're getting onto tech later in the show. Some very exciting new tech that's just come out. The um, CES show in 2017 that we'll talk about later, um, which is Epregnatech Incubutero 7.3 Auto Womb, which. <laughs> Uh, basically, is is a very high end three D printer. It's a five G, four D wireless mechanical electronic techno womb <laughs> that enables you to grow your own offspring on a windowsill. Uh, you and your partner or partners, it's twenty seventeen. Whatever you think is best. Once you've cracked your feminine eggs and your uh, masculine micro squigglers into the incubator, you just wait twenty four hours, and the auto womb prints out a little baby for you. There you go. That's just one of the many exciting new products that uh, we'll be talking about. And the Republican Party is already moving to guarantee the life rights of these windowsill fetuses. (laughs) Uh, You've taken an admirably sort of philosophical perspective with this story, Andy. My question is far more prosaic. Who are these builders that could just knock up a wall overnight? (laughs) Managed to deliver a project that's not even been asked for in time and under budget in that he was charged zero money. <laughs> these guys, these guys are clearly the greatest builders in the world. They're or, whatever the opposite of cowboy build. They're, they're Indian builders, or maybe they're just ancient Egyptian builders who've been woken <laughs> by the breaking of a curse. Think, oh, what are we, we just brick people into rooms. It is quite an extraordinary story because he did. He did just wake up and find himself unable to leave his front door, and obviously had to uh, call the police. And uh, a police spokesman uh, said to a uh, local journalist. It reminded me of the building of the Berlin Wall. That went up pretty quickly too. But he then added, it's a crime and no joke. There's that classic German sense of humour there, Andy. (laughs) Straight in there. I mean, comparing one bricked-up doorway to the Berlin Wall is... uh, That's bold in many ways. Yeah, you don't need Hasselhoff to bring that wall down. I mean, the Berlin Wall... As I recall, it wasn't possible to just go around and use one of the windows at the side. <laughs> if it did, those guys really made a fuss over nothing. <laughs> this came in uh, on Twitter from uh, Andrew Broadworth. A very important question in this week of all weeks. Harry, I don't know if you have any opinion on this. He asks, South Africa apparently has an anchovy-based Marmite-type spread of its own. How does it measure against... Marmites and other similar spreads on the disgusting scale. Uh, are you uh, are you a connoisseur of Marmite? By connoisseur, if if by connoisseur you mean I've tried it once and nearly vomited, then yes, <laughs> yes I am. Um, I mean, South Africa is not renowned as a as a culinary destination, um, so I can only imagine one thing: you have know, picked up Marmite and run with that baton. What the hell are they going to end up with? Um, chuck some anchovies in it. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a moderate fan of Marmite, uh, but yeah, I mean I, I cannot it, the South Africa, a South African version of anything that isn't built on is frankly a risky culinary path to go down, as far as I'm concerned. What's on the Bugle's dating profile? Well, I've no idea. We did this thing years ago with the old Bugle email address, where I can't remember how it happened, but people signed the Bugle's email address <laughs> up to what can only be described as an 
unbelievable shitload of dating sites. <laughs> Literally, there was like an, a, a dating sites of every religion and <laughs> ethnic background. I think I. Now that you're saying it, I think I actually remember this incident. Yeah. Do you remember signing us up for any dating? <laughs> <website>? <laughs> Um, as a result of which that email address became unusable too sexy it's very hard to unsign yourself up from from these things Um, that's how they get you as I keep telling my wife now um, (laughs) this election campaign is finally put out of its uh, misery on Tuesday and the 2020 campaign begins at 8am on Wednesday Yes. Uh, how do you see that? Uh, I mean, are you excited about about that? I mean, there'll be a, like a I think about a two minute break in between uh, in between the electoral cycles, and uh, I mean, it, it, it could Trump run again? I look forward to that. Maybe first clown president. Maybe that's what shows up. <laughs> We've got a clown epidemic now. Maybe this is our opportunity. They need a voice. They want to be heard. Clown president. <laughs> well. Uh, that brings us on to uh, well another story you mentioned that the, the clown the creepy clown epidemic that has torn has torn the world apart. I think it's probably the biggest news story of this year, bigger than Brexit, bigger than the American election. Uh, the world is terrified of uh, of clowns, and I respect these creepy clowns. They've they've come to Europe now. They've been scaring people in Europe. Uh, obviously, happening in the US and and Canada, I, I respect clowns because we live in a world of groundless scaremongering. At least these creepy clowns take the time and effort to actually properly scare people. And this is, this is what we need. We need genuine... I've had enough of the, the lies of the scaremongering. I want, people, I want genuine, genuinely frightening people actually frightening people. People who are willing to put on makeup. Like, that's also... They're putting in the work. Like, they're not just saying something scary. They took... 45 minutes to an hour to, like, put on the red mouth and the weird, like, do the weird triangles over their eyebrows and put a wig on. Yeah, I I appreciate and I respect, I respect the amount of work that went into that. There's also a part of me that wonders, as terrified as we are of a zombie apocalypse, if perhaps this is how the zombie apocalypse begins. Because <laughs> we're scared of zombies, but clowns we're not too sure about. Maybe the clowns are actually zombies in clown makeup to get our defenses down. They make a balloon animal, and we're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then they eat your brain. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's an interesting interpretation of the, the clown, clown crisis. I mean, it does, that does seem quite a, you know, strategically... That's uh, that's a good way to go about it, particularly in this this year of so many distractions. People being afraid of of change, of no change, of of, of crazy candidates that you know the clowns can, the, the zombies can sneak in under cover of clown. Yeah. To give some context to the uh, the clown, well, you know, why are people so obsessed with these killer clown pranks? I put the search term "killer clown prank" into YouTube, and it came up with over a hundred thousand possible videos and the most viewed killer clown prank video that came out from that search had been viewed 92 million times now when i put global warming into the youtube search (laughs) engine the most watched video was only 35 million so it appears that as a species we are two and a half times more interested in killer clown pranks than the potential end of the planet earth 
Uh, and the uh, Sudan Civil War got just 540,000 views. <laughs> well, and also that Sudan Civil War, it's just the it's just a trailer for Marvel's Civil War, but just for the Sudanese people. <laughs> oh, right. So that, is, not, that is, that yeah, is marketing gone mad, isn't it? That really is, yeah. That movie didn't do, it didn't do that well in the Sudan. It did well everywhere else. It's interesting you should mention warfare in uh, the context of clowning because clowns have a great military history, particularly in the uh, the British Army. We used to use clowns uh, militarily. Uh, in the Second Afghan War in the 1840s, there was an entire regiment of clowns under the uh, command of General Arnelius Gluch. And uh, if I may read briefly from the British history of military clowning, um, it was whilst he was on the road to Kandahar that uh, news arrived that Her Majesty Queen Victoria had alleviated General Gluch of his duties. This followed the failure of his tactic of making his soldiers fight against Sher Ali Khan's men in full clown outfits. Whilst his intention was laudable to reduce the enemy to such a peak of hysteria that they were unable to return fire, the practicalities of clown warfare proved rather problematic. General Gluch's clown cavalry found that their animals were rather hard to manage whilst wearing large, ill-fitting footwear. And also, they were often fighting with up to 30 clowns to a single horse. The cannons of the 3rd Framshire Clownsaleers ineffectively fired custard pies at the enemy, many of which, in the merciless Afghan wind, blew straight back into the faces of the advancing British clownfantry. Furthermore, many men fell in the battlefield and remained untreated as the waiting clown medics assumed that they had been simply felled by the giant ladders carried by their fellow clownbutants as they swung round in apparent surprise whenever something went bang. So... Very uh, sad history of uh, clowning in the British Army. Uh, even more worryingly, from uh, an evolutionary point of view, and I'm very concerned about our status as number one species in the world, as you know, um, chickens apparently exhibit Machiavellian tendencies, <laughs> according to one article. I think they might be inferring. I don't know if these scientists use the term Machiavellian or not, but well, actually... This does make sense. Just saying chickens exhibit Machiavellian. Te- I've always knew it. I always knew Michael Gove is a chicken. <laughs> Look at him, chicken. Look at his face. Listen to him talk. Watch his wattle move when his plots unfold. Chicken. Um, so uh, yeah, they're plotting their revenge. They're descended from the from the dinosaurs. So that's what you'd expect from these beaky little bastards. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see the new Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> Featuring a T-Rex, a Velociraptor, and a devious chicken. <laughs> um, one of the scientists involved, Dr Laurie Marino, said, The very idea of chicken psychology is strange to most people. <laughs> yes, Dr Marino, it is. And that is because most people have got shit to do. It's a busy world. We would all love to spend more time thinking about chicken psychology, but it's always one of those things that gets put off for later, isn't it? It is so hard to prioritise in a competitive global globe or world thinking about chicken psychology. People just don't have time anymore. Back in the day, of course, you'd happily spend an afternoon sitting outside the coop, chatting, trying to get to the bottom of what makes them cluck or or tick. Depends on the breed, of course. I mean, (laughs) I would love to have the time now, Nish, to pop my chicken buddies on the couch and get right into their id. (laughs) But I don't have time. If I didn't have children and uh, a job, well, uh, sport to watch on telly, and uh, (laughs) stuff to do, like come in for my own weekly session on the couch which with my own shrink, Dr Chris, here, 
You're not right. you're not still recording our no. and broadcasting our special chats, not are you? At all. Good. By the way, some good news. I'm not hearing that weird English guy's voice in my head anymore. Once a week, <laughs> like I used to. That seems to be cured. But bad news, I'm hearing a range of other voices, and they, they scare me. The Tory MP John Redwood. Uh, he uh, he said this. I cannot believe the judges failed to read the leaflet. So there was this leaflet given out in a build-up to Brexit, explaining what would happen, saying that, you know, if we voted for Brexit, then Brexit would happen. So it appears we now have governments by by leaflets. That is, that is. I mean, I thought we ditched that shit when it turned out the Magna Carta was full of bullshit. Yeah, so leaflets don't is, get things done. I mean, that's, were right. they leaflets that were just left under the windshield wiper of people's cars? Cause, essentially, yeah. yes, essentially. Mm, yeah, um, nobody's going to read that. But apparently they are, we now have legally binding leaflets <laughs> in this country. And it's now, in fact, it is compulsory. You can be sent to jail if you do not eat two pizzas for the price of one on a Wednesday. That is the <laughs> law of the land. Uh, more on Article 50 in next week's Bugle. Your emails now. Uh, this came in from Ben Lyford, who uh, writes, Hello, Andy. F*** you, Chris. <laughs> you, ben. I didn't even get a shout out. <laughs> F- you, Ben. I watched your section on Matt Ford's Unspun show last night. Um, I'm doing a little bit of telly at the moment. Yeah. After uh, 18 years in showbiz. <laughs> um, Saltzman's gone full me. You're part of the media elite. Um, and I felt I had to get in touch. I think it's fair to say we've put up, a, put up with a lot from you, Saltzman, over the past few years. The intermittent podcast, the literal hemorrhaging of long-term co-presenters. Pun runs, no pun runs, and the craven nepotism of jobs for the Zaltzmans. Um, but the mathematical inaccuracy of the blackboard in your piece on Unspun uh, is one stage too far. Now, so I recorded a piece about education, and it, just a, and it's, it had a little black, black, blackboard with mathematical sure. formula in the, back, in the background. And Ben has pointed out, I saw what I can only assume to be the quadratic formula top right. I say assume because instead of writing x equals minus b plus or minus the root of b squared minus 4ac over 2a, you put x equals minus b plus or minus the root of b squared minus 4a over 2a. No c. Where's the constant gone? Asks Ben. How is the discriminant going to tell whether there's not one or two solutions? If you can't even get the basic quadratic formula right... How can we be expected to believe your bullshit? The scales have fallen from my eyes. Sweet baby Jane, that is an email. Yeah. Ben, you have a lot of time on your hands, my friend. This could be my, my own personal watergate. Oh, my God, this is the smoking gun. <laughs> ben is deep throat. <laughs> that is absolutely, that is incredible. Because of all, for all of the bullshit you've spun, yeah. it, re- it really does feel like, it's funny, it's like how they got Al Capone on tax evasion. <laughs> In my defence, I, d- I did pass the actual writing of the blackboard on to, a, to an underling. Yeah, of course. It's TV and showbiz, isn't it? This is like Trump and Russia. <laughs> that, that, that production manager was your Jeff Sessions. <laughs> uh, do keep your emails coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Right. I think that's appropriate in the circumstances. <laughs> Every 54 seconds is a record. A record. <laughs> I, said, 
I don't like terrorists. <laughs> I can't help myself. Look, we Not can't, my kind of people. We can't help but sometimes view these kind of incidents through the prism of how it's going to affect us uh, in the short term. And people are thinking, oh, God, is this going to lead to me being searched at airport security? Or people thinking, oh, God, is this going to complicate me getting to work? Chris now sees terrorist incidents and thinks, oh, God, I'm going to have to edit so much swearing out of the bugle. <laughs> A lot of people don't like the bleeps on the bugle. I, I like the bleeps. I think they're wrong. Right. Really? Yeah. I think that, I think I think the, the bleeps are important. Right. Oh yeah, I I agree. I I think there's something funny about. I think there's something funny about the bleeps. One bleeps are funny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two, kids and people who don't necessarily like hearing <laughs> do listen. Yeah. And given two. I think that people who like and aren't put off by the bleeping, yeah, <laughs> because I, they still get a sense of it. Yeah. Well, that's why. But well, that's exactly why you're not allowed to do it on the BBC because apparently the bleep is enough of the inference. But I think it's a shame because I actually think like Arrested Development. I, I've there's a on the DVD there's the a cop there's the pilot which doesn't have the swearing bleeps, and then the actual show has the swear. And for some reason, it's just much funnier. I don't yeah. know why. I think it's, yeah, mm. I think it's really funny. Oh, yeah, of course. Also, I, I bet you, so so if, if I was to put this show, f*** those pricks, yeah? yeah? Pricks I keep in and f*** I take out. And I think it's funnier yeah. having yeah. half of that sentence <laughs> down. I still don't really understand, though, why on the on the BBC they uh, there's so much swearing at the top of every hour during uh, before news bulletins. <laughs> <laughs> going on with that <laughs> is this like a bonus extra bit at the end of the show yeah, I saved this for an off cut episode this is like an easter egg a big f***ing <laughs> cut of an easter egg <laughs> hi it's producer Chris from The Bugle here Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.